everyone and welcome to the Life Act Show. I'm your host Jade and today we are interviewing the amazing Rachel Robertson and all of her amazing leadership nuggets that help can help you live a happy and fuller life. To give you a background after just reading her book, which is out by the way, so good, she took an expedition to Antarctica for a year and led like the whole expedition and learned loads of cool things and new little tricks that we are all going to talk about today. So without any introduction, she's here. Let's start chatting. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. How are you doing today? It's evening in Australia, uh, isn't it? It is evening in Australia and it's also winter. So it's cold, <laughs> although I get no sympathy when I say I'm cold. It's only five degrees here at the moment. And people say, oh, you should be used to the cold. And it's like, I don't care. I'm still cold. So apart from That's that, I'm still doing cold. very well. That's still <laughs> cold. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's very cold. My minus <laughs> like, I think for me, 15 degrees is cold. I'm a very yeah. warm person. England was not meant yeah. for me. Yeah, well, Antarctica, uh, we got to minus 35. Minus 35 Celsius, minus 32 Fahrenheit. So, yeah, it, it, that, that's cold. That's cold. That, that's real cold. So you really that's can't real... complain. No, no. <laughs> but it's still pretty chilly. I'm still on the, I'm still on the sympathy chilly side. So can you give us, like, a little 30-second, like, nugget on how you ended up in Antarctica? <laughs> I can and I would love to say it was a brilliant career move or a strategic move but it wasn't I I was just flicking through a newspaper and I I saw a picture of a penguin in the careers section in the job wanted section and that's what caught my eye and then I looked at the ad and I noticed that they the Antarctic division were recruiting but they were recruiting for personal attributes so empathy resilience and integrity and I saw that and I thought, what a fantastic way to recruit rather than technical because you can teach people the technical. And I was managing customer service staff. And so my plan was to just get to the interview stage so I could find out what the questions were and I could copy the questions and bring them back. And so I applied for the job. Never thought I'd get it because I know nothing about Antarctica. Um, I got the job. They rang and offered it to me. And I thought, you know, I'd rather regret what I did than regret what I didn't do. And that's the only way I ended up there. It was purely by accident. <laughs> That is, yeah, that's great. You see a penguin, you're like, ooh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Let's just hustle, see how it goes. And then bam, you're in Antarctica, inventing things called the Bacon Wars. So, Correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing I really, really want to talk to you about is, um, oh, no, the wrong thing, is your triangle system. So Rachel's invented this triangle system, and I've just read about it. And I don't work in an office. I, like, work by myself, but it applies to, like, my life. Like it can apply to every normal person's life. So could you explain it and just to our lovely audience and how it can benefit their lives? For sure. It changed my life. Um, and in fact, it's one of the, it's a life hack. And I wish I had done this hack 30 years ago. And all it means is I don't speak to you about Jade. If I have something to say to Jade, I go directly to Jade. I don't take it to a third person. And why I did it was two things, to build respect in the team so that they would talk to each other and confront each other directly rather than come to me. But also for my mental health and my well-being, I, I didn't have the energy to listen to this complaining and moaning constantly for a year. And so I just got the guys together and I said, look, we're going to have this no triangles, direct conversation, put your hand up if you agree. Everyone's hand went up. So the next time one of them came to me and started complaining about, oh, he did this to me, I could actually say, hang on, I saw you put your hand up and commit to no triangle. So why are you talking to me about it? Why are you not talking to him about it? 
And so it built respect in the team. But more importantly for me, I, I knew I needed to spend time with my good people. And, and we know that. And they were great. And I thought, I've got to go and talk to them and tell them they're doing a great job. But I was so darn tired. I was exhausted from these, these triangle conversations. So by having no triangles, it freed up my time and energy. So suddenly I, I had the time and energy to go and talk to them. And I use it at home. With my son, I use it with my friends and my families. I use it at, at the local school. So if anyone complains to me about the teachers, I just say, oh, no triangles, <laughs> go and talk to the teacher. I can't help you. I've got no control over the teachers. And honestly, even in your personal life, just, just do no triangles. It's such a simple thing, but it really, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. It really, really is. Because it's one of those things that you've never really thought about. But I noticed that I, I read it and then the next day I was just thinking of like, oh, this person's got a problem with me. Should I go via this person? Then I was like, no triangles. No, yes. if you've got a problem. You can go directly to that person. And me, I'm like non-confrontational. So I was like, mm -hmm. no, I don't need to. I don't need to stir the pot. And it saved a lot of stress. It does. And it, I'd, I'd listen to it because I, I honestly thought I'm not, um, I'm not contributing. Like they're just venting or they're just letting off steam. And if I listen to it, I'm not contributing or making it worse and I thought no actually I am by standing here and listening I'm actually saying it's okay for you to do that and it did take me two months to embed this in the in the culture of the team because we don't like these conversations we, we find that most of us find them quite confronting and and challenging and so I had to coach my team on how to have the conversation because it is a skill it's an absolute skill to be able to have that difficult conversation and it comes with practice years and years of practice and so I actually had to coach them on how to have the conversation and so they could directly talk to each other and then yeah if they can't work it out by all means bring it to me but you know the first port of call and I, and I know even with families you know my mum used to, used to drive me crazy would would ring my sister and say oh I haven't heard from your sister meaning me and I'd say mum just ring me just talk to me just text me whatever I'm here you don't have to go to jail my sister you know and it was just like really simple thing around respect but yeah so powerful hey oh it's 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 so good I just love it so I, I just read the whole book in like three days like oh my god this is so logical <laughs> but okay so how does it apply to like this new COVID -y world that we're living in because now a lot of the like the triangles are now online because we can't just mm. go up to the water cooler and be like meh, 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 this person did this like, how does it change? How can we, like, make sure that we don't have triangles in our new weird and wonderful world? It's more important now than ever, hey? It's more important now because we're under stress and a lot of us are feeling bit, a, a bit anxious about going back to workplaces. So there's a whole spectrum. And at one end, you've got the people who are really excited to get back to work and they can't wait to get back to the office and see their friends and have drinks on a Friday afternoon. There's the other end who are really anxious and, and quite stressed about the thought of catching public transport and going into the office again. And then there's a whole heap of us in the middle. So we're all under to varying degrees all of this stress and it's incredibly challenging the last thing you need to do is worry that your colleagues are, are talking about you behind your back you don't you've got enough to worry about without that so it's more important now than ever that we we actually say let's have these direct conversations huh because yeah that's the other thing you miss that that nuance and the the um, non-verbal cues that you get 
at an office, you're only seeing someone on a Zoom meeting or a, a Skype meeting for maybe 30 minutes a day and they'll bring their best face. Um, and so you, you don't know what's happening for the rest of the day. So it's more important now than ever that we have no triangles and we have the direct conversations and, and you know, respect, as I say, respect Trump's harmony. So we won't always see eye to eye and we won't always agree with each other. And that's okay. You know, that's okay as long as we always respect each other. I feel like in this weird, like nice new COVID world, everything is on email so there's no context to anything anyone's oh, sending so you absolutely and you absolutely. have like you just hear like the one thing and then it feels like everyone someone says oh everyone says this about you and it you don't see anyone for like two weeks so it does feel like everyone everything's so much more magnified by just the little triangle so it is so important oh. to not triangle people well, that, that you've hit on something there that one of the, the tools that I had, one of the little tools I had for my team, uh, it was called a, a LADAR. So it was a language radar and it was based on this bit of science, but it was like a sonar. So it was a ping. And every time you heard these absolute words, your brain would go ping. And it was words like you just said, everyone, no one, always, never. So we didn't use those words because if you say to someone, everyone thinks it's a bad idea, you challenge that. You say, everyone, really everyone. And they'll say, well, it's not Rachel. It's not Jade. Okay. It's not everyone. And it's the same with, with our partners. If we say, if I say to my husband, um, you, you never put the rubbish bins out. You never put the trash out. He can pick just one example, just one and say, and I did always it. got one. Yeah. And so it's not always, and it's not never. And if you say to someone, you're always late for work, as soon as you say it, they'll say, well, last Wednesday, I was 30 minutes early. So it becomes down. emotional. Yeah. And that's why those conversations spiral. They become really emotional and horrible. So you've got to take out the emotion and just deal with facts. Here's the fact. The fact is you're due here at 8.30. The fact is you arrived at 8.45. That's a fact. So you take out the emotion and deal with facts because you're right. It's natural that when someone uses the word everyone or no one, you, you get defensive. That's perfectly natural. Yeah. You know? like, I don't care who you are. If someone starts attacking you, you're instantly going to go and defend yourself. And then, it, yep. yeah, it can only spiral from there because now you're both in that antagonistic mood. So you're both going <laughs> to... Okay. Exactly. Another thing you mentioned is that you did started daily reflections in a journal to help keep you grounded. How does, how has that changed your life? That, that kept me sane because what it did, and I, I say this now to people, anyone who's, who's waking up at three o'clock in the morning and they're, they're churning things over in their mind, what the journal did, and I never expected the journal to become a book. That was never the intent. It was, it was just for me to process my thoughts. So before I went to bed, I made myself write in the journal and it wasn't um, dear diary today, I went and photographed the penguins. It was this person's driving me crazy. And if I could send them home and what it does is it gets the emotion out. So you're actually processing the emotion, you're getting it on the page and you're getting it all out. And it's just this stream of words. And what that means is that you sleep. And I think all of us know the link between sleep and resilience. If you can sleep, if you get good quality sleep, you can pretty much cope with, with many things. If you're not sleeping well, if you're only getting a few hours a night, your resilience will just drop and the tiny little thing will, will set you off. And so for me, having to be the leader 24 hours a day, every day for a year with not one minute where I got where I could knock off, I had to be really resilient. And so the journal just helped me sleep and it kept me strong and resilient and mentally mentally prepared and able to look after these people for a whole year. I, I imagine it's like a little privacy thing as well. Cause it's like, that is your space. 
where everyone else is constantly watching, especially as a leader, everyone's always wondering what you're doing and looking after you. But this is like your little little space it really was and and that point you make that that's why i wouldn't do it again um a lot of people ask me would i do this would i do the expedition again and i have to say look if if i could go back as one of the team as a scientist or a tradesperson maybe but i'm not qualified for those jobs i'm only qualified for the leader role so to go back as a leader i wouldn't do it again because of, of what you said that that scrutiny and like where i sat for a meal that was noticed, what time I started work, that was noticed. If I said good morning to this person and not this person, that got noticed. And it was just exhausting. And I had to learn for my own well-being. I had to learn how to put boundaries because I went down thinking, if you need me, I'll be there. That's what leadership is. I'll be there. And so the guys would knock on my on my bedroom door at 10 o'clock at night and I, they'd see the light on and I'd go, yeah, and they'd open the door and I'd be reading a book and they'd say, oh, you're reading your book. And I'd go, no, it's okay. I'll put a jacket on. I'll come out. That's fine. After six weeks, I thought, I can't do this. I can't be available insane. to you. Yeah, I'm going to go. It'll do my head in. I will suffer severe mental health issues. It'll absolutely do my head in. So the next time they did it, they interrupted. I was having breakfast. That's right. And they interrupted my breakfast on a Sunday morning to get me to sign a, a, a permission slip, a form to let them go and photograph penguins. And I looked at it and said, guys, this this isn't urgent and I need to have my breakfast. So how about I have my breakfast and I'll meet you in my office oh, in 10 minutes. How does that sound? Now, as soon as I put the boundary there, they respected the boundary. But prior to that, I had no boundary. So when people are coming to you all the time or interrupting, saying, oh, have you got a minute or, or your boss is ringing you at nine o'clock at night, if you answer the phone, they will keep ringing you. So it's up to you to, to say no and put that boundary there because it's natural that my team would knock on the bedroom door. Why? Because I'd never told them not to. I'd never said to them, this is my private space. This is the only space and the only time I get to myself where I can just decompress and not have to be leading. I'm, this is my sanctuary. So unless it's urgent, please don't interrupt me. But once I said it, they respected it. But prior to that, yeah, they'd knock on my door all the time and interrupt me all the time because I'd never said they couldn't. I'd never said, don't do that. I feel like if you don't have boundaries, that can really just affect your mental health because people will just, I say take the piss, but if you yeah. don't tell them no, people will just keep doing it because they don't think they're doing anything wrong. You're the one that has to be like, this is the line, don't cross it. You don't have to be aggressive about it either. You can just be like, look, this was inappropriate. This is the line. Yeah. So you just say, look, after after seven o'clock, um, I'm with my partner and we're watching Netflix or I'm putting the kids to bed or I'm studying or I'm exercising, whatever it is you're doing. And just say, you know, that's my time that I need to be the best person I can be for you the next day at work. So you just need to put the boundaries there. And even I think, with again, with COVID coming out of the pandemic, there'll be a lot of social invitations now that we can start socialising again and going out. And I think for some people that's great, but for some people that will be overwhelming. So it's about saying, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, look, I've got a lot on that weekend already. Can I take a rain check and I'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks? And, and you're not being rude. You're just looking after yourself and you're putting yourself first. You do have to take care of yourself kind of first before you take care of other people. That's like rule one of life. Absolutely. Uh, it's why the uh, when the cabin crew on the aeroplanes do the safety check and they say, um, put the, the mask, the oxygen mask on yourself before you help the people around you. And it's because if you don't, if you're not looking after yourself, you're in no position to help anyone around you. And it's you're going to run thing. out of oxygen and you're going to help nobody. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So... Obviously, 
the um, living in Antarctica was quite intense and stressful for you. What are your like best tips and tricks to survive mentally and like emotionally when the pressure gets really high? It's, yeah, it's a great question. And I think all of us are under pressure at the moment to varying degrees. But I think for me, what helps me is I only focus on what I can control or influence. So whatever the issue is, I think, do I have any control over that or can I influence that? Then the, if the answer is no, then I, I park it over here. I don't even consider it. So I've got no control. So I'm thinking of the team down there today and I'm not sure about the British Antarctic survey, but certainly the Australian team, uh, they've just got a phone. They had a phone call last week saying the ship, they were meant to be coming home in October. The ships that would sail down and bring them out in October um, and now the, because of the pandemic, that's not happening. So they now have to stay for an extra summer. So they won't come home until February. They'll miss Christmas with their family again. They'll be gone 500 days all up. Now, I've been talking to them down there and they're, they're the same. They can't control that. They have absolutely no control over it. So don't give it any energy. What you can control is your reaction and your behaviour. So we can't control the pandemic we can't control the rules and regulations that are upon us right now so don't don't think about it control what you can which is I can control my behavior and my emotions and I can control what am I going to do in the next hour and so the, there were two things one was that control but the other one is breaking it right down I think if you look too far ahead it can be overwhelming certainly for me in the expedition if I looked ahead to one month six months 12 months it was huge so some, day, some days in the past three months during the pandemic, I've only thought about what am I doing in the next hour? Like I only had the ability to go, I'm so overwhelmed right now. I can only think about the next hour. And some days it's the next day. Very rarely I might be thinking about next week, but it's, it's the two things. It's the control and then breaking it down into what will I do the next hour, the next day, the next week, and just not getting overwhelmed by the future, this big future, which is huge. Big, scary, huge mountain. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, when you're like walking up a hill, it's like, don't look at the top. It'll only <laughs> yeah. motivate you. Yeah. Only look at the next put thing in front of you. And you'll make it there because you're just like one step, two step. Instead of being like, oh my God, it's so far. I give up and run away. It's, and it's a a... Okay. So. How has learning to handle like difficult, different people created more peace in not only your life, but in your teams as well? Yeah, so you might have heard me talk about the Bacon War. And the, the Bacon War, it's a, so it, 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 it happened. You know, people say to me, they say, oh, is that a euphemism? And I'm like, no, no, it really <laughs> happened. There was a big fight about whether the bacon should be cooked soft or crispy. And when I got to the bottom of it, it was between two teams. It was between the diesel mechanics and the plumbers. And one, the diesel mechanics wanted it, I think, wanted it crispy and the plumbers wanted it soft. And when I got to the bottom of it, so this, we're talking one day a week. The chef does it the rest of the time. It's one day where the chef has the day off and we have to cook. And so when I got to the bottom of it, I found out that the relationship had broken down over this other issue, over the use of, of a vehicle. And they thought the other team was deliberately cooking the bacon the opposite way just to irritate them. And I thought, wow, this has got nothing to do with bacon. This is about respect. They're feeling disrespected. It's manifested in the bacon, but they're feeling disrespected. And so I started to identify all of these little things that happen at home and at work that drive us crazy. And the reason they drive us crazy is that they're a symptom of a deeper issue. And that deeper issue is a lack of respect. And it's things like, when people take the car out and if you're sharing a car and 
they bring it back without petrol in it. You know, the, the fuel oh. tank is empty. <laughs> and, and you jump in there and you think, oh, I have to go and fill it up. And, or it's um, people who are always late and you th- they go, oh, that's just them. And it's like, no, that's just rude. You know, it's not once or twice, it's always. I know in Australia, we've done research on this and it's different all around the world, but one of the big ones in Australia uh, and New Zealand is dirty coffee mugs in the, in the workplace kitchen. And so they, we have these signs up saying, the sign will say, your mother doesn't work here, put your dishes in the dishwasher. And people say to me, why couldn't they just put the dish in the dishwasher? And I said, because it's not about dishes. It's disrespectful. It implies my time's more important than your time. And when you, I've lived in so many share houses, I can't, I couldn't even tell you how many, probably over 15 share houses all through university. <laughs> And, and it's things like wet towels left on the floor or when you're in a share house and people cook and they leave all their dishes lying around oh. and, and, or you eat know, and I, eat all your food. And I used to think, why, why does that upset me so much? Because it's a little thing. It's really a little thing. And I now know it's because it's a symptom of a deeper issue and that deeper issue is a lack of respect. And so that's what the Baker Moore is. It was a, it was a symptom. And I'm like, I had this aha moment, like, wow, it's not about the bacon. It's about respect. Go figure. Okay, we've got we've given a lovely audience so many nuggets. So I'm just gonna ask one more little question. Um yeah. it's a weird one. So what are your favorite words of wisdom that you learned from your time in Antarctica that you could share? I think the message, the thing I learned, and, and, and I've taken it with me ever since, and that's how I ended up in a new career doing um public speaking and writing, and it's that that whole regret what it's better to regret what you did than regret what you didn't do. That was the first one because that, um, you know, I'd much rather do something and have a go and it doesn't work out than not do it and spend the rest of my life going, Oh, I wonder what, what if? And so that was really important. The other thing I learned as a leader was that people don't remember what you say or do. They remember how you make them feel. And so my team ranked me as a really inspiring leader. And so my feedback, they, they meet with a psychologist privately and they get feedback. Yeah. And so it's brutal feedback. It's like third party. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what did they tell you? And the, the psychologist said, oh, they found you really inspiring. And I'm like, what is that? That I work you know, 16 hours a day or how I handled the plane crash. She said, no, um, Sharon mentioned that you knew the name and hometown of all 120 people on your station over summer. And Patrick mentioned that his son had a school concert. And the next morning you said, oh, Patrick, did you ring home? And how was Lockie's concert last night? And Alan mentioned he was on kitchen duty and he was mopping the floors at eight o'clock at night. And you came in and put a few chairs on the table. You got a cup of tea. You didn't talk to him. And my initial reaction was really that that's what they told you like after a year of my leadership, little things, little things. And that's when I thought, wow. So people don't remember what you say or do. They remember how you make them feel. They remember how you make them feel. And that changed my life as well because I thought, you know, I, I didn't think I could be an inspiring leader, but when I found out that's what it's about and an inspiring friend and an inspiring partner, it's about the moments and how you make people feel. It's not about having a big personality or, or big strategy because my team thought, well, that's my job, you know, to d- deliver a program on time on budget. That's my job. What stood out for them was how I made them feel. And so that just absolutely blew me away. It took a year in Antarctica for me to learn that lesson. <laughs> And it's such a good lesson because you can apply it to like your whole life. Like your life can only improve if you appreciate and respect people and make them feel like, like they're worth something. And then instantly they will respond to you so differently with nothing but like positivity and love. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. If anyone wants any more information on your work, like where can they go? Because I'd love to hear from anyone. Yeah, any any questions, um, just just drop me a line. Um, write to me at, at my website's just my name, so it's rachelrobertson.com. And I'd love to hear from anyone. I'm I'm doing a lot of work uh, in Europe at the moment and the US virtually, so it's fantastic. I actually get to come and see you guys in your in your room <laughs> in your office or all around. I was in France yesterday, and I think I'm in Colorado yeah. next week. <laughs> all from Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> So yeah, I'd oh, love Melbourne. to chat to anyone. Yeah, just drop me a line and I'll, I'd love to talk to any of anyone who's listening in. That'd be fantastic. Also a little promo. She's got a book out this year and it's dope. <laughs> Not the best expression <laughs> for it, but it's really good. You should get it. It's on Amazon. Thank you for coming on so much. No, thank um, you for having me. I hope you have an absolutely great day amazing interview with the amazing Rachel Robertson. If you want to hear more interviews from super cool, amazing people just like her, then hit the subscribe button and hit the bell notification to be notified every time we post a new video. And I hope you have an absolutely amazing day. Bye!